Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Whenever you're listening, just thank you for doing so. My name is Jack Kopansky. I'm back with another episode of I'm Just Saying for you. I just want to start off by saying sorry it's been so long since the first one. After I recorded that first episode, that flashback Friday, I had every intention of coming back next week, recording two or three episodes, putting those out for you. A few things got caught up. Uh, had to push it back a little bit, work on other uh, work and other things going on. And then the following week, I was on vacation, so I wasn't able to record anything there. And then as soon as I get back, of course, I get a little cold mini flu that I'm still recovering from. But now that I'm drugged up enough to where I can talk for an extended period of time without being in total pain, I figured I'd put together a quick episode for you guys just to talk about some of the things that I've missed in the past couple weeks and arguably the biggest news in Cleveland now, Freddie Kitchens being hired as head coach. Uh, we'll have a little bit looking forward uh, to the NFL divisional playoff round, uh, a little bit on that, talk about some of the other hirings that have gone on in the NFL. And even though I promised it Tuesday, I figure it also works for Thursday because I'm an alliteration man. We will have top 10 Thursday where we're going to be looking at my top 10 favorite Cleveland athletes. Now, we're not talking best. We're talking my personal favorite. And believe me, I think every everyone who knows me well that's listening to this now knows who my number one is going to be. They probably know who my number two is going to be, too, if you if you know me super well. And I'm mainly looking at Ryan, Smokey, and anyone that I roomed with at college. But anywho, without further ado, let's get into this edition of I'm Just Saying. All right, so first and foremost, like I said at the beginning, Freddie Kitchens, your new Browns head coach. A lot of excitement coming around the city right now. Um, I know I mentioned in the first episode that he was someone that I was still only a little bit gun shy on. I just wasn't sure how he would, uh, how he'd be able to fit and take the jump up to that head coaching role. But as this whole process has gone on, the idea has grown on me a lot. And that is simply because, and maybe this is flawed thinking, but it, it, it's my thinking. It's grown on me because as this process of interviewing different candidates and seeing different coaches land at different spots has been going on. It's made me look at it from 10,000 feet and kind of go, there are really none of these free agent coaching candidates that I'm enamored with. There's no one that makes me say, we need to have this guy as our head coach. In the first episode I mentioned, and it was still the truth until he until he took the Tampa Bay job, Bruce Arians was my guy. Uh, he he was uh, if of anyone of of any of the free agent candidates that I would have liked to have seen come here, he would have been the one. And a big reason for that was because he was so hyped up about taking the Browns job. Not to say that Freddie isn't. I'm sure Freddie is absolutely over the moon to be able to be now the head coach and have an expanded role working with Baker. But that's that's the only reason why I that he was Bruce was the only free agent head coach that I would have wanted to bring on as the process like I said was going on my thought my thought became it needs to either be Greg Williams and Freddie in charge like it was at the end of the season because they had marked success and both of them helped this team play some of the most inspired football I have ever seen in Cleveland or you do exactly what you did and bring Freddie on as head coach. 
He and Baker already have a great rapport together. They have a great connection. They enjoy working with each other. I mean, hell, go on Twitter. You can find countless videos of them while they're mic'd up on the sidelines of different games. Baker doing a Freddy impression right to his face. Both of them just goofing around, talking to each other, having a good time. So this is going to give both Freddie and Baker a great first step into next year because they're so comfortable with each other. It's not going to be some crazy jump to learn a new offense for Baker, not some crazy jump for Freddie to install a totally new offense. So I think that while I still personally am a little bit skeptical, I'm not going to put all my eggs into the Freddie Kitchens basket just yet. There is a lot to be excited about with this hire. Now, I also just want to go around the league real quick, talk about the other four coaching hires that have been made, at least at the time I'm recording this. Um, The Broncos getting Vic Fangio, the Cardinals getting Cliff Kingsbury, the Buccaneers getting Bruce Arians, and the Packers getting Matt LaFleur. Um, To be perfectly honest with you, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about Vic Fangio or Matt LaFleur. So, I mean, I'm not going to say too much about those except for the fact that the fact that I, I've at least heard of Vic Fangio. I had never heard of Matt LaFleur before the Packers brought him on. But you would have to think that Aaron Rodgers had a heavy role in probably at least speaking his mind about who he would want. So you, as if, if for, for Packers fans, you got to hope that's the case. But that, that was probably the one that let me scratch my head the most, only because, like I said, I, I had never heard that name before. Um, Cliff Kingsbury to the Cardinals was the one that was, was the most intriguing to me. And I think has the, has the most upside, but also the most potential pitfalls because the Cardinals are in an interesting place right now. They still have David Johnson from, if I'm correct, it it sounded like Larry Fitzgerald, this 2018 was probably going to be his last year. You're going to have Josh Rosen in a sophomore year who, looked at times like an abomination of a quarterback his rookie year. And now you have Cliff Kingsbury, who has a career 30 and 45 record as a head coach at Texas Tech. His best season was eight and five. They won the Holiday Bowl that year and they had and their highest ranking was 10. So it's interesting in the fact that you bring in kind of a younger guy trying to prove himself now in the NFL to kind of go along with Josh Rosen and see if they can work in tandem using, I don't know if you'd call it a chip on their shoulder, but kind of using a chip on their shoulder to, to, you know, play well and perform. And and like I said, make a name for themselves. But like I said, I think this is, this is going to be a boomer bust hire. I know that's probably not necessarily a hot take, but I never claimed to have hot takes. So, We'll see with that one. If I was if I was the Cardinals fan, I would certainly have reason to be excited, but I would also be ready for the for the realistic possibility that you could be looking for a new head coach in another two or three years, and quite possibly a new quarterback, possibly sooner. Then, of course, Bruce Arians. We mentioned him, or I mentioned him. We keep saying we. I keep saying we like there's a whole bunch of other people on this show with me. It's literally just me. I'm doing it in my room right now. No one's here. I'm doing all of this. Why do I say we? Anywho, I said it in the first segment. I said it in the last episode. Bruce Arians was my guy. I'm certainly not crushed that he didn't come here. I think I, I think he would have been a good option to come here. 
but I, I think I think he was also a good option with Tampa Bay. You know, he brought on Todd Bowles, a guy he's known for a while. Uh, had him as his D coordinator in uh, in Arizona when he was there. So I, I think that with Tampa Bay, this could be a very, very, very good thing for Jameis as a way to kind of hit a hit a mini restart button on his career because the past the past couple of years he has not at all looked like the number one pick he was. So with Bruce Arians coming in, I think I saw somewhere that he's not going to hire an OC. He's going to be calling his own plays. Bruce Arians has a lot of trust and a lot of confidence in Jameis Winston. Ever since he worked with him a while ago, I can't remember exactly where that was, but I know I remember seeing that somewhere. So I think Tampa Bay got two very good coaches in in this offseason, Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. I, I, I just don't think Todd Bowles – is is or was head coach material but now that he's back at d coordinator with arians as head coach back to like it was in arizona where arians had most of his success i think tampa bay again has a lot to be excited about all right i wanted to run through the nfl uh divisional playoff matchups real quick we'll start with uh saturday's games at 435, you have the Chiefs coming up against the Colts. Chiefs are five-and-a-half-point favorites in that one. Now, disclaimer, I am by no means a betting man. I am not good with this at all. The guy who is is my one buddy, Jack Murhar. Go ask him about that. What's up, Jack? I just pretend to do it for fun. I think I know what I'm talking about. So, so you should probably do the opposite of what I say, but here we go. I I think the Chiefs are going to blow the Colts out of the water here. What what more is there to say about what Kansas City and Pat Mahomes has done this season? The way the Colts have finished their year has been impressive. I mean, I, if I if I remember correctly, they started one and five and lost just one game the rest of the way. So that, I mean, you cannot finish the season any stronger. And they had a great showing in their first playoff game, but. I think it has to come to an end here, and it's going to be in a very unceremonious fashion. So I'm giving those five and a half points all day. And I think if I had to guess, it would probably be somewhere in the 35-14, 35-17 range for the Chiefs, if not higher scoring for them. But we'll see. Chiefs are going to uh, Chiefs are going to the next round there. Next up at 8-15, the Rams and Cowboys. Uh, I think this is a similar situation here. Dallas, you know, Dallas getting back to this point. It's good to see because I'm 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 not one of those people that like hates on the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys. I really don't mind when the Cowboys succeed. In fact, I think I I think I like it because it's just cool to see quote unquote America's team do well. But again, I I I, I don't think I don't think there's any way they can beat the Rams. There, there's just too much firepower on that team. And Sean McVay is some kind of evil genius. Um, the Rams are seven point favorites, and that that was a spread that gave me a little bit of a little bit of thought for a second because I know that closing the season up, the the Rams weren't as strong as they had seemed throughout the, the better half of the season. But I think at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they'll still cover it. Um, that that'll probably be somewhere, maybe like a maybe like a twenty to fourteen game. I don't know. Like I said. Um, uh, well, that, that would technically be covering the spread. So maybe like a 28-17 game. I don't know, people. 
I'm just saying the Rams are going to win this game. On to Sunday, Patriots and the Chargers. Possibly two teams. Well, not two teams. I despise the Patriots, but I also despise Phillip Rivers. Uh, Patriots are four-point favorites here. Uh, I'm going to give those points as well. I, I think the Chargers have... I think the Chargers have obviously had an incredible season. Um, a lot of people were kind of complaining that they have a better record than than the Patriots, but they also now have to play on the road just because the Patriots won the AFC East and the Chargers didn't win the AFC West. But that's that that's neither here nor there. But what is going to happen is the Patriots at home in the playoffs. I don't think there's any way that they lose this game. I'll take the Patriots. I will say, we'll say thirty-five to twenty-seven. I don't know. Uh, finally, the New Orleans Saints and the Eagles. Drew Brees is a man on a mission this season, and even though he probably is not going to win the MVP, he is not going to let this team fall anything short of at least making the Super Bowl. Saints are seven and a half point favorites. Uh, that was one that also gave me a lot of. A lot of thought because Nick Foles in the playoffs has shown that he kind of is the man. And I think he's given Philly a lot to think about next year in terms of who who they need to who, who they need to have as their quarterback coming into the year. But again, at home, Drew Brees, Drew Brees wants to wants to show that he at least should be the MVP and probably wants to get at least one more Super Bowl under his ring under his belt. Um, in one of his last great years while he's still playing. So I, I think the Saints will win. And then, shoot, we'll say, I don't know, we'll say 35-24 on that one. I don't know, people. Okay, that's that. Now, the moment you have all been waiting for, and thank you to the 14 or 15 people that voted on my Twitter poll um, for what top 10 I should do. Now, it is time. For my top 10 favorite Cleveland athletes that I have had the joy to see play. All right, so like I said at the start of the show, uh, this is my top 10 favorite Cleveland athletes. And what I did with this was I limited this to any athletes that I have personally been able to watch play. So while I did technically get to see a little bit of Jim Tomei when he was back with the Indians, he's not going to be on this list. So no Omar, so no Omar Vizquel, no Albert Bell, um, no one like that, only because I never actually got to see them play and I never got to experience what it was like to watch them play. So we're going to leave them out of this. Um, and quite frankly, the top five of this list are the only ones that are really in order. Six through ten. You could really put in any order as long as they're in there for me, and I'd be happy. Um, and, and and these are these are at these are not who I think are the top ten best Cleveland athletes ever. They're just the ones that I have enjoyed watching or enjoyed them being in Cleveland the most. So there's gonna be some there's gonna be a few obscure ones in there. So bear with me, but here we go. Starting the list at number ten, the former. UFC heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic. I remember watching him win that belt, and it was the same summer as when the Cavs won the title, I think uh, two months before, a month or two months before. And I absolutely lost it because it was, you know, it, it was the first title that Cleveland has had in a long time. You know, it was it was a bit of a asterisk title, but a title nonetheless for a guy who 
proudly represented that he was from Ohio, from from Cleveland or the Cleveland area, whatever you want to call it. So coming in number 10, Stipe Miocic. Number nine, a Browns legend, Phil Dawson. I'm actually pretty proud that I've been able to get two Phil Dawson mentions into two shows. I could find a way to sneak at least one Phil Dawson mention into every show. I think I'd be a pretty happy man. But Phil Dawson, I mean, what what else do you need to say for a Cleveland fan but Phil Dawson? That guy was as consistent as it got. I was devastated when they decided not to bring him back. And I, I, I still think they should have kept him. I know there are a lot of people that are going to come back at me and say, oh, but the money at the time, the money at the time. Yeah, well, whatever. The guy was like, the guy was essentially the best player we had outside of like Joe Thomas, the best, most consistent long-term player we had for a long time. So that's why Phil Dawson had to make the top 10. He's in at nine. Number eight, the wild thing, Anderson Verjao. Uh, he, he took a while to grow on me once he joined the Cavs. I wasn't, I wasn't all that big of a fan of him at the start, but the more, you know, the more I watched him play, the more, the more time he got, the more I just enjoyed his presence on the court, especially in LeBron's first stint when it was like LeBron, Andy, Shaq, Z, and you could just see all of them having such a great time. Hell, I I think, I think in the one photo after LeBron made that three against the magic, in the in the playoffs back however many years ago, the photo of people celebrating is like him, Sasha Pavlovich, and Andy Verzhao. That guy was just so fun, and the way people embraced him with like the with the wild thing haircut, skull caps or whatever, that was great. I, I loved Andy Verzhao. I hated when he joined the Warriors, but from his time in Cleveland, Andy Verzhao, number eight, number seven, another Cavalier, more recent Cavalier, still a Cavalier, Kevin Love. I was I was so excited when the Cavs were able to get Kevin Love that same summer LeBron came back. <coughs> Excuse me. And the fact that he is the last of the big three remaining here, and he is still adamant about wanting to stay here, uh, at least that's what he says. I don't know if that's what he's actually feeling, but he's at least outspokenly adamant about wanting to stay here. And he's once he gets back, he, he'll he's still the best player on this team. So I just just the way he plays, the way he handles himself, and for me personally, I love how big of an advocate he is for mental health uh, among athletes. So he's he he had to make the top ten. So Kevin Love comes in at number seven, number six. Now to the Indians, uh, quite possibly. Uh, I I take that back. Not not quite possibly the face of the Indians and one of the best young players in Major League Baseball, Frankie Lindor. That guy plays the game with so much heart and so much joy that it is impossible not to watch him play and to enjoy it. He's always smiling. I mean, that that guy just loves playing this game, and I love the fact that he is an Indian. Now, I'm not going to spoil that love by talking about what I would want to do to the Dolans if they simply let him walk when his contract is up. It, they need to at least make some kind of offer for me to be satisfied. But if they just write it off and say that they're not going to be able to afford it, those cheapskates, it will not be a pleasant reaction for me on that following podcast. But anywho, we're not going to get into that. Frankie Lindor, number six. Number five. Here's where things get obscure, folks. Number five is Brady Quinn. Now I know 
I know. I get it. I get it. But you got to remember, as a big Notre Dame fan and a big Browns fan, when they were able to get Brady Quinn, I was immensely excited. I still have a Brady Quinn jersey in my closet right now. I was this close to putting it on, but I didn't. I I still hold, I still genuinely believe that Brady Quinn could have at least been a serviceable quarterback had some circumstances been different around his time with the Browns. Now, Derek Anderson was obviously playing out of his mind then. I get it. That's fine. The receiving core then, garbage. The O-line, again, like normal outside the Joe Thomas, wasn't great. Romeo Cornell was the head coach, for God's sake. So do I think he got a fair shake in Cleveland? Absolutely not. Do I think he would have lit the world on fire and been our franchise quarterback for years to come? Absolutely not. But I do think that if the circumstances had been different, maybe his career with the Browns would have been longer and you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he'd have some kind of role now other than broadcasting, but that was also a long time ago. Who knows? Anywho, Brady Quinn, number five. Number four, another guy whose jersey I still have hanging in my closet, former Indian Casey Blake. Now, the way, the way Casey Blake, well, one, the way I got a Casey Blake jersey in the first place was uh, kind of obscure. But I, I grew up with the Indians of 2005, 2006. I wasn't really much into baseball up until then. And, you know, Casey Blake was, I remember the infield was, I think, I think we still had V-Mart as the catcher, um, like Ben Broussard or Ryan Garko at first base, Ronnie Belliard at second, um, Johnny Peralta at short, and Casey Blake at third. And I remember my dad and I were at a game once, and Casey Blake just absolutely smacked a three-run three run walk-off over the left field wall, and it went nuts. And I was like begging my dad for a jersey after the game, so he ran into the team shop and naturally grabbed a Casey Blake one. So ever since that night, I wear my Casey Blake jersey proudly to Progressive Field, and I will always love Casey Blake as a former Indian. Casey Blake, number four. Number three, another former Indian and my favorite Indian of all time, Coco Crisp. And no, it's not just for the name. But again, here's another here's another way of getting into why I like Coco Crisp. My very first Indians game, I was out with you know with people from my mom's work and my mom and whatever, and I got a Casey Blake or I got a Coco Crisp jersey T-shirt. <coughs> So that was sort of the start of it. And then I also was, for whatever reason, I loved his batting stance. The way he stuck his, the way he stuck his, like, chin over his shoulder. I'm trying to do it now while I'm saying this. The way he stuck it so far over his shoulder and the way he, like, wiggled his fingers while he was holding the bat, I got such a kick out of that when I was a kid. So ever since then, I've loved Coco Crisp and I loved him when he came back. Uh, I think two years ago, back when we made that World Series run. So he's coming in at number three. Number two, last Brown on this list. I'd be remiss if I didn't put Baker Mayfield in. Um, I know it's only been his first year here, but I mean, I, I think I share with most of Cleveland that he's the most exciting player we've had here probably since this team has come back in 99. He plays with so much passion. He loves being here, and he he's 
he is I I I you know what? I'm going to say it now. He's he's the future of this franchise. I I you know some people might I know again not a hot take but I don't care what anyone has to say about you know how he plays or how he acts or whatever. The guy is incredible. I am so ecstatic they took him number one overall. I wouldn't have wanted anybody else. So it is only fitting to put him in my top ten. And if it wasn't for who number one is, if it wasn't for the strong, 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 strong place that number one holds in my heart, he probably would be number one. Before I get to number one, though, I just want to pepper in a few honorable mentions. I won't go into as much detail about why I'm a fan of him, but I wanted to at least I wanted to at least mention in no particular order. For whatever reason, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Franklin Gutierrez. Uh, another one. When he was a Brown, and again, this was one I at least had a jersey of, and it was mainly because his first and last name fit on his nameplate, linebacker Andre Davis for the Browns. Another former Indian, or not uh, not a former Indian, but probably assumed to be former Indian, Jason Kipnis. Like the guy's hustle, have his jersey. And admittedly, he is probably going to be gone soon, but anywho. Now, number one. This comes as no surprise to, like I said, anyone that knows me, number one, Matthew Delavadova. Oh my God, Deli. That guy, I, I, and again, this this is one that is hard for even, it's hard for me to even explain. The rest of them, I can give you some explanation for why I have them on my list. My number one, I can't even explain. It's just, it's easy to say that it's the way he plays, but it it really is the way he plays. It's also the fact that he's Australian. For whatever reason, I get the biggest kick out of people with Australian accents. And just, it's it's the amount of fun that he has, not only on, but off the court. You know, I'm following him on social media, and he's always posting some, like, funny stuff on, like, Snap or Insta or whatever. It, it was to the point where I was at a Cavs Finals watch party for the first year they played the Warriors, and there there were watch parties for every night. And one night, I won a LeBron Swingman jersey, like a real deal LeBron jersey. Now, I already had one, but I was like, oh, sweet, this is awesome. I got another jersey. The next night, they were giving away a deli jersey, and my buddy won the deli jersey. So I said, Dude, I will trade you this LeBron jersey for the Delhi jersey. And he looked at me like I was crazy. But I told him, I'm like, no, I am dead serious. I already have a LeBron jersey. I need a Delhi jersey. So sure enough, he ended up winning. We swapped the jerseys. And I still wear my Delhi jersey proudly when I go down to the queue. So Matthew Delavadova, you are and probably always will be my favorite Cleveland athlete of all time. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for this episode of I'm Just Saying. I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone that listened. I know this was a bit of a, I know this was a bit more of a rougher sort of fly by the seat of your pants episode, but I just really wanted to get something out to you guys, something that was a bit more fun, you know, a little bit, a little bit shorter. Admittedly, I was thinking this was maybe going to be like a 15 minute podcast and here we sit at almost a half hour, but nonetheless, thank you so much. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, like I said in the first episode, I'm hoping to get a bit more of a regimented schedule going where you're not waiting like two weeks between episodes. That's my bad. Sorry about that. But, um, 
I, I, I just really, I really do enjoy doing this and I'm hoping that it can be something that can happen more often and that, you know, we can expand to maybe, you know, some kind of blog or whatever the case be. I, you know, again, it's like I said in the first episode, I'd love to bring on someone to do this with me because I enjoy doing this by myself, but I know it's a whole lot more fun when there's someone else to do a back and forth with. So now that you've heard my top 10, let me know what you think. Find me on Twitter at Jack Opansky at Jack underscore K-O-P-A-N-S-K-I on Twitter. And be sure to stay tuned to that for any new updates about what's going on with the show, anything we'll be adding, and, uh, and all that's going on. So thank you again, everyone. We'll see you next time.